Barbie can hang out with me. Mm. Now it's time for you to Are you ready? But yeah, there's so there's so much here. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to be talking about cam girls, and I discovered the very surprising thing that there is no like no one has ever put together a history of cam girls and like under no name. There's no like tell all history of the cam whore. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's I mean it's not even life casting really, which is I think maybe maybe a good place to start well maybe we should first define cam girls because they're kind of a thing of the past or at least that verbiage is a thing of the past and yeah i didn't even think about that but it, it's true it, it moves so fast so yeah let's define them and, and before we do i'd just like to say that i'm nama Cates, and, and i'm katherine d <laughs> and we met online Um, all right, so once upon a time, before OnlyFans, uh, the the one-to-one uh, option for parasocial pornography was uh, the cam girl. Um, and you could book private shows with her through a website like My Free Cams. Um, and, you know, she wouldn't necessarily have to do anything sexual, but mostly she would. Yeah. Or she would broadcast sort of like a Twitch stream. Um, and people would give her tips and tell her what to do. And it was a little show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of difficult to figure out like where to start with the history of cam girls, which might be why no history has been written. Um, because it's still, I mean, I, the way you're talking about it, I guess because of OnlyFans, it sort of is a thing of the past and people don't use that verbiage, but I didn't even realize that because it's relatively, I mean, you know, this is, I mean, first of all, those campsites still exist. They are abundant when, right. you know, like the ones you brought up, Chatterbait and my, what was it called? My Free Cam or whatever. My Free Cams, yeah. Live Jasmine. Right. Um, and well, the other, I mean, the, the other thing too is like everyone sort of streams now, like there's TikTok Live, there's, yeah. I mean, there's so many options. Um, so I guess, um, yeah, I guess, I guess let's like jump into it. So... You could eat. There's two. There's two ways you could slice it. You could really go back and say that you know, like peep shows. So where you go into a booth and a stripper dances just for you is sort of like the proto cam yes. girl. Or you could fast forward it to uh, the early '90s with coffee cam, um, which was a pretty boring twenty four seven webcam stream. We take a picture every two minutes of a Cambridge University coffee pot. Um, and inspired by this was um, Je- uh, Jennifer Ringley, who is a, who is a 19-year-old. Um, I'm actually blanking on what school she went to. But uh, she, let's see, do I have it? Do I have it writ- written down anywhere? Well, anyway, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so, Jen- so Jennifer <laughs> okay. Ringley is inspired by uh, this, you know, early 90s coffee cam, which was in in the computer lab at Cambridge. Um, And she starts doing a life cast or a live stream um, of her life. And she gets really famous doing this. And she shows everything. She shows, you know, the good times, the bad times, her doing absolutely nothing, her jerking off. You really get a full picture into her life. Um, And, you know, it was, she was so famous. She actually... Um, you know, the the director of the Truman Show like reached out to her for insight. How did it feel showing your life off like this? And then she inspires a bunch of copycats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna Cam, Adam Cam, Danny Cam, Jody Zone. I mean, there's like a whole, there's like a whole suite of usually women, but not always women, um, doing this. Um, and this is the, the late 90s, right? Right. So this, so Coffee Cam is in 1991. Yeah. Um wow. and yeah, and then you, um, and then Jenny Cam starts, I believe, in 1996, and then so this just explodes through the late 90s um, into into the early early 2000s. Yes, um, there, there was also some um, more kind of like high art that copied this at the time, uh, performance art, installation art. I remember that was really, you know, from Europe, and it, it, they would kind of 
just it was the whole Truman Show and slash Jenny Cam influence concept that now we can, you know, videotape people all day long in their private spaces, knowing, not knowing. And this is something that people are interested in watching. So there was a bit of a craze with that. I think I remember in, in New York City, like there was a, um, a, a very well-known location near Times Square that was, you know, one of the penthouses where they were filming and, and streaming. And it was this like kind of uh, pretentious art exhibition. Yeah, it was really it, it it was really interesting at first because I also like when I'm when I was looking through um some of the early like like when I was looking at like Jenny Cam and like Anna Cam. Um this this you know, not the sort of like New York like pretentious, you know, like we we live in public sort of sort yes, of vibe. But that's what I mean. Yeah, that was what yeah, I was yeah. Um but some of like these these early life casters, um, it had like a real public access vibe to uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because I think like so few, it, either so few people were doing it or so few people were doing it for uh, an audience. It, there was something about it that felt like very DIY and like yeah. quirky. And it was kind of like, like you said, quirky, like an almost nerdy interest because it was also kind of on the edges of technology and what was capable. Right. So, so, so con- sci-fi element to it. So concurrent to this, obviously, right, if ordinary people are doing it and you know maybe they're throwing in a couple of jo sessions on the road right <laughs> but if ordinary right. people are doing it uh so are pornographers of right of course an industry that always mirrors right Hollywood or st- and other uh, uh, mainstream media right so most people's idea of like camming is really through uh jennifer wrigley and then maybe if you're in the right circles some some performance artists it starts getting connected with porn um with Justin Barry. Uh, I think that's a, like a whole episode on its own. So just the, you know, yeah, the, the, the short version is this, uh, 14 year old boy. Um, it's discovered by the reporter, uh, Kurt Eichenwald that he's been doing these cam shows. Um, and this is where this is in 2001. Um, Justin Barry's doing this through the late nineties. The article comes out in 2001. This is where the coinage cam whore comes from because this young man is like, He's saying, oh, we call ourselves cam whores. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, but it stays sort of DIY and small scale through the early 2000s. People are, you know, it's, it's a fixture on like Craigslist casual encounters. There's all these sites start to pop up. Like we mentioned, My Free Cams, Chatterbait, Live Jasmine. Um, but then the gold rush happens. Um, in the mid 2000s and people start it starts becoming more commonplace for uh, like porn consumers and it's because of um measure b uh in los angeles right so it's it's mm-hmm. it's two so there's two things right so the first the first th- thing that sort of like lights the lights the fire is there's all this um those free porn online so you can, you can make a lot less money, right? As websites like uh, Pornhub become more and more popular. Um, right. And you, you know, just have, it's oversaturated. And then not only that, um, it, there's the laws in California start getting passed um, that restrict, por- you know, how pornography yeah, that is regulated pretty, pretty heavily. Right. Yeah. So like measure B, for example, um, meant that in LA, you had to use a condom if yep. you were shooting porn. Um, and all, you know, all of these have like a, a a big impact on on the industry so of course camming becomes like way more attractive um because you're you know, outside of those you're right you're outside of the those restrictions you don't the the, the old studio model that w- isn't working anymore because of the way free internet porn works you know you, you don't have to deal with that it's sort of like the gig economy of porn and then on the right. consumer side you it's parasocial Right. Like yes, you actually that's exactly what it is, I would say. And right. It's interesting to mention just because you brought up the, the studio system of pornography. I think just as a as an aside, that the pornography industry used to have until fairly recently, like 15 years ago, probably, a studio system kind of like Hollywood did, where there were, you know, vivid and these studios that had their stars and they'd make these films with these like ridiculous titles like molded after popular films of the time. Like I, there was probably a Titanic and star Wars and like 
Planet of the Apes and God knows what. And they'd have these little plots, these big, ridiculous productions. And that's where most of the porn was coming from. And people would pay for that. And then, you know, that broke down. But that was, um, it, it existed, a star system, a studio system, everything, the whole thing in, you know, always kind of just outside of Hollywood, you know, in like a, San Fernando Valley is where they would like shoot a lot of it. So it was always kind of like its shadow of, of the Hollywood system. And yeah, those, those studio systems all broke down. Yeah. I mean, that's a describing it as like the shadow of Hollywood. I mean, that would be a great like documentary title. That's a great uh, description. So it's, I mean, it's, so it's sort of all happening at like, it's like a, you know, a perfect storm. Um, so you have these live casters and people are getting this taste of like digital celebrity studio systems breaking down the economy's not doing too hot and it's also coming at the tail end of another trend right if you know it's 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 like this it really is like a perfect stew of different things mm -hmm. just like suicide girls or the you know counterpart god's girls local models i forget what was yes. that website model mayhem was, model right? mayhem you know it's like right sort of like like all like here are the people right <laughs> these yeah are, these right are the, these are the campbells right. these are the campbells like these are like you said, you know, that the taste of digital celebrity, it's everything is sort of uh, on a smaller scale. You can taste this, what being a star is like. A lot of young women were able to try on having a career that's kind of like being a sex worker and feeling what that is like, that glamour, if it is that objectification, that quick money without really any of the, of the risks or the social stigma. So you had these people that were kind of living on the edge people that, that were like feeling themselves being bad, I guess. Right. Like, wouldn't you yeah. kind of describe it that way? Like, you know, these uh, people that were living an alternative lifestyle and had this kind of like romantic artists existence, whether they were artists or not, they participated in something like artistic projects sometimes with these shoots. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing is like, it was such a, a vibe. Like, I, I mean, I think, you know, and I, I remember so clearly, like, sex work started becoming almost like an aesthetic subculture on Tumblr, mm -hmm, also right. around the same time, right? And I had all of these, like, internet friends who were, like, on Model Mayhem, and what was happening is they were doing these, like, local shoots. Yes. And, but they would also... Which was kind of like sex work, in right. a way. It was like sex work light, but then a lot of them sort of, they went from, like, being, like, local models to escorting like they would do these yes. these weird that's like what i mean right right like the like shoots were kind of like sex work because a lot of the time they weren't really going anywhere like the the end results right like the photographs like they would right. be shown on somebody's myspace or on the photographer's model mayhem portfolio and on the girls but that wasn't really the point so it was kind of like the interaction the engagement between the photographer and the girl itself was sometimes what was actually what she was actually being paid for. But I mean, even like even more, I think like even more explicitly, like I remember I'd have friends, they would post like it started off or it would just be like these very bizarre, like tasteful nudes. Like there's one I can't get out of yes, my head. It was like right. a girl like on all fours. And then there's like an airplane and she's like pretending to like redo 9-11 or something. I mean, it was just like, it was so strange. <laughs> but, but then it's like, it, but it never stopped at the photos. Like it would be like a few photo sessions and then she, it, then there would be a post where like, well, you know, I fucked the photographer. Then he gave me 200 bucks. And then when camming sort of became a meme in these same communities, it was like a godsend because it was like, oh, thank God I don't have to fuck these photographers anymore. Oh, I didn't know that it like went that far. I didn't know that that was like, I figured that was happening, but not incredibly commonly. And I didn't know people were being open about it, posting it anywhere because I always model mayhem. So modeling it was also like you're saying all these vibes kind of happened at the same time and it was social media too because these websites were also social media sites so they were kind of like you know my spaces and people would kind of message there were always the message boards as well as all the portfolios i remember model mayhem a lot because everyone was on it i was i was definitely on model mayhem and i did some of those shoots and like they weren't but the thing is you also used it if you were legitimately doing like commercial sure shoots yeah and you know, it was interesting that at some point it seemed like it became sort of a front for like veiled prostitution, you know, advertisement. But I didn't ever know that it was that. <laughs> and it, I don't know, it probably still exists, that website. I I think it does. Um, but it, it was just like so much more popular. And there, yeah, I mean, just to like, 
reiterate like your your point like there's tons of people who are definitely doing it like it as a legitimate way to build a portfolio like yeah. it serves many purposes like if you were um an actor like i was or a model or a musician or anything where you had to have photos of you that was also just like a place to store them that seemed a little bit more professional than check out my myspace like, yeah. okay, go to my Model Mayhem portfolio here. And these are the photographs and the shoots I've done. And a bunch of them are just sipping a coffee or whatever, because it's some kind of, you know, stock photography ad or something. I always wanted to to do it, but I just never, I mean, it, to me, it always seemed so fun. Um, not the, not the escorting stuff, right, that's on no. public, but just like having like, like, like high quality headshots or something. And it was like, it was like a whole like suite of websites that had like real wor- world components to it. That was like too chicken shit to really try. Like Model Mayhem, like okay Cupid. I mean, this was all like, you know, this is like 2009. Um, yeah. And I just like never had the guts. I was like, I can't, I don't want people to see what I look like. So I was just like a perpetual lurker. Oh, well, okay. So we're, we're representing opposite sides of this conversation as the movements when, where I was always the lurker you brought up God's girls and suicide girls. I think I was 18 years old and I was going to do one of them because I lived in New York city in Brooklyn and in the apartment below me was one of the God's girls. What was her, her name on there? I, I don't remember her. Her real name was Aaron. And so she did it and she was kind of like, I was very curious about it and they offered to fly me to LA and pay me, you know, like $2,000 or something to do a set and everything. And I was really interested in doing it. Like there was nothing I was opposed to about it. I liked the vibe. The photographers were great. There was one apnea who was really popular and the photographer lithium picnic that took like really great. I mean, they were awesome. And they ended up being in Italian Vogue and stuff because they were both really talented. It just wasn't really me. And then also at the time I was thinking like, I want to act and I want to do commercial work. And I did. And I was like, this might be a problem if I do that. I don't think it would have been now. I don't know. You did end up with a lot of girls that were, because they were like living life on the edge and everything, coming from troubled backgrounds and stuff. Certainly not all, but there was like a little bit of a vibe of instability about those people is the yeah, way I put of course. it. When I would hang out with them, I always felt a little bit on edge because their energy was just a little like uh, frenetic. And there were, you know, they always had all these problems they were talking about. Like there was the one girl, what was her name? Like Swizzle or Swindle. They had some ridiculous names. I don't remember her real name. It was like all tatted up and all pierced and was just like manic. So yeah, it was, there was something dangerous feeling about that scene. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I feel like now people will like sort of like make fun of, I feel like there's sort of like a social scene where like it's people who are like perpetually asking for money for like a GoFundMe for some kind of crisis or yes. they always have their cash app and their bio, yes. whatever social platform. And I feel like this is, this sort of predates it. Cause like, I'm sure like, oh, definitely like Swizzle <laughs> or Swindle or whatever her name was always had like her PayPal or something. It was always like accepting like quote unquote. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's what, <laughs> another parallel too is like, you know, the way model mayhem sort of degenerated into, like you said, the girls were like, I fucked the photographer and it became like, a place where maybe there was a little bit of like modeling going on, but it was actually to draw in sort of potential clients kind of not really. I don't think most people used it that way, but it had that element like all these sites too. God's girls. I don't, I don't know if it ever did. It was pretty new then, but you know, there was that element of like, there was the parasociality. The girls were talking to the, I don't know what they called them then fans, I guess. Um, that were their specific fans. And there was that back and forth going on. And with cam girls, I think too, like there's an element of it where it's an advertisement that the show component, you know, back to your point about the end to end, one to one, one to end model where cam girls are either doing something solo for one person or they're putting on a show for whoever's watching, which is also how strippers work. You know, they have their stage dance, as you pointed out, where they're just, performing and the audience will kind of tip them and then they have their private dances like all of these things i think the money really is in the private for all of them you know oh yeah you know and i was just thinking like as we were chatting and this might just be my my own like bias or opinion but it also feels like what's so interesting about like the gold rush cam girl years is that it really did feel 
like it was downstream of like modeling or like maybe even like a certain lifestyle or aesthetic, but it didn't feel like a commodification of like, you have an internet boyfriend and you're showing him your boobs on Skype. Like it didn't, it felt like no. very separate worlds, which you you would think it's like, oh, it's just cyber sex being commodified or like Skype sex being commodified, but it really didn't, or, you know, like MSN, whatever, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. Using. It, and it, but it really didn't feel like that. It really felt no. like, oh, it's a confluence of a bunch of different things. None of which are cyber sex. No, 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 no. It's all, it's way more about like, I think for the, the people doing it, the girls, like this feeling of sort of like fame and, you know, the attention of it and the performance of it. Um, and then then there's the, the parasociality, but it's very much this feeling of like a star and orbiters, as incels would say. You know, it certainly didn't feel like a relationship of equals, boyfriend, girlfriend, cyber sex. Right. And, you know, I had, you know, I had a best friend when I lived in Texas. My best friend was a, a cam girl. And um, then later on, there was that movie Cam, which I think was in 2018. It's a pretty good, pretty good movie. Um, and even in like her, her experience of it and the the film, which was um, it was created by, I think it was direct, written, directed by a cam girl or like an ex cam girl. There is like even the people who are like inner circle or like power users, like you are always the media object or media property and they are always a fan. Like it doesn't seem like even when they, when people over, like step over the line and like cross that boundary, there's like the roles are still very firm. It's like, you're a bad fan, but you're still a fan. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Cause like no one thinks that you're, you're like they're your boyfriend. It's like, they're just invading your privacy as a consumer. Yeah. Hot Girls Wanted documentary, the Netflix documentary that I think was initially just one part, but then it, they, I guess, bought more episodes of it. And they were mostly all stories of like cam girls. And there was the one where the girl has a regular who she thinks she's falling in love with and they go and meet and it just doesn't like you can tell there's no chemistry there. She still feels like he's just her fan it's kind of really disappointing for both of them. And you don't know if going in, if she was entirely genuine about uh, thinking that it was going to be, you know, like a really mutual attraction. Cause then you find out she had, she like lives with a husband who was fine with her doing like the whole thing. It's just that relationship is always still a fan to the starlet. And it's, you know, when you are selling your time in any kind of parasocial situation, I think even for us content creators, as we are now, sometimes some of the ones that do like, I mean, you do these, so, you know, I could be completely wrong, but when you do like paid hangs, do you do those? Um, no, kind I, of, I, like movie I, I nights or like, something. Yeah. Well, so for me, it's weird. Right. And I actually, I think, I, I don't know what, it, it might just be the way we use digital technology that creates this difference. So like, where's, you know, my friend on like my, who was using my free cams, it did always feel like the boundary was really clear, even if that person disrespected her privacy or something. Um, like the boundary just being like, even if he's like sending a gift to her house, it's still like, he doesn't in his own mind think he's a friend. He doesn't, right? he's not, yeah. I mean, um, he might, but he right. It, <laughs> but like just from her, her, and I'm sure that did happen. I'm just saying from like this individual's descriptions, I feel like it's more common with like only fans, right? For that person to think, and we even use the the, the word like I've seen only fans creators use the word friend and say like, oh, oh my friends yeah. and subscribers. For me, yeah. it's weird because, and I, I mean, I get into trouble with this all the time. Um, I don't like to see myself in like a hierarchy. Like the only no. difference, right? Like the only difference between me and the the customer, because I mean that is what they are, is like or the audience um, is like I'm creating content that they are consuming, oh. but I. I don't know. No, it's totally different in most respects. I was just going to make one example, which is just how I feel that, yes, the relationship's completely different because you are just creating content and they just consume it. And any sort of chat you have about it, you know, on the side of that is on the side of that. That's not what they're paying for. That, your service is not to chat with them. So the chats really are friendships or whatever. Um, I'm not saying that is at all like this relationship, but like, I know Megan Down, for instance, I'm sure she won't mind me bringing her up, uh, has one of her tiers, I think, with Patreon or Substack or whatever, is like a paid hang night where like 
her subscribers will, and lots of, I mean, tons of like the fifth column guys do this. Like a lot of them do. I just mean that that particular period of time when people are paying for your time, even if there's nothing bizarre about it, just to me, that makes it feel a little bit like work in a sense, you know? Oh yeah. Anything outside of it doesn't feel that way. And so I feel like if, if there's a relationship between, you know, an OnlyFans cam girl, whatever, they're the same thing really. And, and a customer that's always going to feel like work to her. And that's where it is like sex work, even though in most ways it's completely different from it. It's, just having to sort of put on, I guess, like the game face of like, I'm fun and I'm going to be, I have to be having fun and I have to present myself in this way because this person is paying for my time. I think that changes the nature of. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel bad sometimes because it's like, I don't know if I'm giving people like a good show. I mean, that's not really, yeah. I mean, that's, that is what it is. I don't know if I'm like performing well, Yeah. Um, but then that's even like more perverse in a way because it's like, oh shit. Like if I'm just, selling my authentic self that's like somehow creepier i mean that actually might be it to be honest like why it feels somehow that like like doing what i do is like almost less dignified than just being because <laughs> oh, i'm serious serious because at least like the only fans or the cam girl like she is like this is a performance and my performance is to get you off and yeah. with me, it's like, I don't know. I'm just, whatever. I'm just showing up and like putting out a tip jar, fill it or don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like also gross about it. It's in a way like more, more private and, and uh, a rejection of it is way more a rejection of, of you than a, if, if it were like a cam girl situation. I think when we talked on my first, the first podcast episode you were on on mine, you talked about um, OnlyFans and, the criticism that the the girls have to to deal with and like i don't imagine that there actually is much of that am i am i wrong about that that there's like scrutiny of their appearance and on on only fans or like yeah or um, or for cam girls like i i wouldn't imagine that there's much of that kind of (laughs) there probably is i think there might be more visible abuse of that nature for like escorts because like ultimately like the way these escorts are being found is through forums where people are right and like they're being raided and like it really sucks but it's like that's sort of the nature of the transaction like if you're selling your ass and someone is well within the rights to comment on how much cellulite you have it's like we don't want to do they i mean in with escorting sure i you know i've also I, I so I was in college sort of when this like when this wave of like sex work is glamorous and cool and like yes pre pre gig economy like this was the gig economy so I, I would have friends I had one friend in particular and she she was very serious about it she you know she had a, a really interesting website and the photo you know, she did the whole the whole nine offered the girlfriend experience and she had reviews on I don't remember what the website was but it was a forum and. I mean, people would be like, all right, like, uh, you know, uh, I almost said her name. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, this girl, like, you know, this this girl's really cute. Like, uh, you know, we we went to a concert together and it was really fun. And the conversation was really great. And then, like, then I took her back to or she took me back to this hotel. And, like, you know, she had acne on her ass and, like, cellulite on her thighs. Um, oh, wow. And it, yeah. And it's it sucks. On the one hand, it's like you would never want someone to talk that way about someone who's selling their writing I mean, or a podcast. Well, sure. if, you're, if you're selling access to, I mean, if you, if you're selling access to your body, then like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of, that's the product. Right. That, and, and it's, it's like really hard to, I think fully appreciate that in the moment. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't know if I'd be too bothered by something like that. If I were, I don't know. Do you, what do you think? think? Go ahead. Over time, it must like grate on you. I mean, like it's, you know, obviously if you're not selling your appearance, it's, it's, it's very disorienting, but even if you are, I mean, it's cause it's just like, think about it. Like you, it's, it's, you must be really good at compartmentalizing. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you don't let it get to you because it, it, 
and it's, I, I've, I've also had, you know, I've struggled to understand like women who are like, oh, this is the sex I have for work. And this is the sex I have with my partner. Like that seems very difficult to like, how I do you draw so that too. line? But yeah, I think I sort of think that um, criticisms of your appearance would be the least of your concerns in terms of what you had to sort of shut out. I don't think that, you know, I think that actual escorting and doing sex work and, and having actual sex for money where it's in the real world and, you know, there's a physical, you're physically in someone's presence is entirely different than camming. But I, I think that, you know, the the sort of performance element of it and the effect that it would have on the way that you personally, the girl, experience your own sexuality and see men and everything is profound. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's similar. It's, you know, on, on a, on a grade, obviously I think actual real life sex work would make it very difficult, if not impossible to just enjoy intimacy with a partner. I mean, you know, I, I think a woman that were actually escorting and had like a boyfriend at the same time, that would have to be a very dysfunctional relationship. I mean, there's all kinds of people. I was actually going to bring up Ayla and Megan Murphy in this conversation, talking about some of their, their views on porn. I don't know if you saw that they'd been like back and forth talking about it. And Ayla is a former escort and a cam girl, you know, she makes porn and she's also fancies herself a sex researcher. She conducts these surveys on Twitter about people's like sexual habits and they're they're nuts man <laughs> they're completely crazy i i, I wonder pointless. I, I should ask her like her her data science like her her sample size isn't just her twitter right like she's it's doing like instagram and twitter or tiktok it's not it's not anything else it's hmm. just yeah social media that's all right well that's a different <laughs> yeah. i, I want <laughs> It's right. it's totally invalid <laughs> and not scientific. I mean, yeah, I, I find her a fairly annoying robo hooker. And she I know she was raised in a, a cult. I think her her dad was like the leader of a cult, I think. And there's something very culty to me about about her. I don't mean to, to disparage her on her. I mean, I might cut this out if it's going too far, but like uh, about her and the, the whole circle of what's their word of? Uh, rationalists not that but a step further was it effective ethical, ethical the people that that argue for you know what would have the most net good even if it seems really horrible effective like, altruists yes yes effective yeah. altruists exactly uh, you know so i will say i think the problem with ayla is who you know I, I'm, I'm i'm friendly with her it, it um she, yeah, yeah. She like, she has a very, she, I, I don't think that she understands that her worldview isn't like objectively correct. And uh, she like, doesn't, she did LSD every day for a year. I mean, of course, right? like, I, 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 think she, I think she like, I, I, think, I think her, 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 her problem is like, she thinks that she's reached this point of enlightenment and yeah. P other people need to just like get there. Yeah. She, Instead like, of she had a thread the other day about like the scientific method is a good guideline for people, you know, but if those rules don't present the accurate, you know, don't allow you to present the most accurate worldview, then they need to be broken. It's like you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what the world is and what science is. If you yeah, think she that. She just seems, yeah. I mean, like she seems to not fully ap appreciate certain things, but I will say this, you know, I've disagreed with her, like, you know, not on Twitter. It's been a little bit rocky, but I've disagreed, I've disagreed with her like person to person and in, in the physical world. And I've also seen her in like, like real life debates. And I, she is very reasonable yes, and, and she persuasive is. She is when you take her off Twitter. Yes, and I agree. I agree. And she <laughs> she seems like actually she seems sweet. She's good at debate. She smoked Megan Murphy, who I actually am friends with personally. I happen to disagree with her about this the, about the porn. She just won't let go of it. 
about like banning pornography. Like I just don't, I, I think that that's ridiculous. It just doesn't seem like something I mean, to do in 2023. I, yeah. I, well, it's also like them, like what is porn? Yeah. Right. There's the, what is porn? There's the consenting adults question. There's the, you know, freedom of speech question. It's there's like, well, yeah. What is exactly what is porn? Like what about between two people who are intimate with each other or yeah, it's just ridiculous. Right. Like it's my, my take on that, on that debate, you know, again, not to like, did you see it? I actually, I actually didn't, but I, you know, I'm sort of, I'm I'm sort of a centrist on this. I, so, you know, I think a lot of porn is probably not great for people you know i think i think you might know my, my stance on it but yeah. i will say this it, it should be more regulated and, and one one step to regulation might be like you have to like it has to be physical you have to to buy it you know and that I, might, yes like, at least even if it's not physical at least like a credit card um enter a credit card for like a one dollar you know validation charge or whatever just so that you you prove that you're this- an adult and you're, you're connecting yourself in some way to this it can't just be everywhere for children to find. Cause I don't know how old were you when you first saw porn? I think I was nine internet porn. Um, I was young. I like Googled something or oh, man, I didn't Google something. I searched something on Yahoo that like just completely led me astray. And I was just like, me too. Yes. I don't even, I was certainly not looking for porn. I don't remember <laughs> what I was looking for. And this insane, well, you could, you know, you could search anything, right? Like you could search like, why do people poop or something? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you will get that. And I think that's terrible. And I, I do think that it has an effect on young people. I'm always, whenever these arguments come down the pipeline, like, yes, I think that if you're talking about young people, like under 18, I think that it needs to be regulated a lot more. I think that that can influence people's sexuality and, you know, self-esteem, all kinds of things in a, in a way that I, I don't think is good. I don't think it should be everywhere, but um, I'm kind of a centrist on that too. But I think Ayla was just, she won the debate, you know, if there's such a thing, because Megan was, she was really condescending to her. And I don't know, like she, she, she claims that her, her, that she sees pornography as like prostitution in a way and that women are, you know, having sex acts and being paid for it. And there's all this abuse that goes on in that industry. And that's true, but there are many exceptions to that. And I think something like OnlyFans camming, that doesn't really happen that much. Of course, there's like some trafficking in these things that go on and that should be prosecuted because it's criminal, but it's not the de facto condition for someone who's making OnlyFans porn. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I, I totally, I mean, I totally agree. I feel like there's, it's so nuanced. You know, one, I, I waffle back and forth on like the, you know, sex work question or like of the actual label because it's like, maybe we should be like more specific because sex work is really, really broad. Like, yeah. you know, like someone who's picking up shifts at a strip club because they live like in, you know, buttfuck Texas is definitely in a different situation than like, you know, an escort who could charge $3,000 an hour in like Manhattan, you know, right, <laughs> so, right. so many different experience. There's like, you know, probably hundreds or thousands of, of different experiences of this yes. world. And, and even uh, they, you know, uh, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, like back to, back to cam girls. I mean, this was, this was sort of part of this moment in the 2010s when it was becoming like this very attractive, like easy job, for, you know, or, like quote unquote easy. You know, of course it requires a lot of work. Um, it was like under this sex work advocacy umbrella and trend. And suddenly you have people who are like, you know, putting in two hours a night on my free cams, not very successfully, because again, you, there is so much that goes into yeah making money on these, these platforms. And then they're like, well, I'm a sex worker. And it's like, sure. You know, but like, right. Right. Is, is that fun <laughs> for you to say about yourself? Like it's an edgy little badge of honor kind of label because you and someone who's walking the street corner have nothing in common basically. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it was a really, it was a really weird moment um, in time. And I, I feel like, I mean, I, I, you know, not that this is my theory of everything, although it is sort of my theory of everything. It really kind of was galvanized by like a, a certain like type of like media person too because like you had you know you had all these like sex work tumblers 
um, which were like very interesting to look at and often very confessional. Um, and then you had like really, you know, really interesting blogs like Tits and Sass who, that was run by uh, oh, yeah. Katie Simon, I believe. Um, and then you had like throngs of like freelance like reporters who like needed stories and oh my you know, for, like, god, yes, fifty dollars a pop and who were like scraping stuff from you know from Tits and Sass or like Tumblr and like you know recapitulating like. Probably like what, like even if I don't agree with them now, but like probably like well thought out arguments from someone like Katie Simon and like misrepresenting them, <laughs> and yeah. it just became like this shadow world of like sex work advocacy. But just be you know, but partially powered by like people's like lack of like, well, I don't know what to write about this. This is sexy. This will drive clicks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like extremism and incels now. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I also wanted to mention that on the topic of something being easy money and whether that is or not, um, I think that for the most part, the women who actually make money at it are putting in at least a, a full a full part-time week, 20 hours or, or so. And a lot of it's probably dead, you know, and there are moments of it where they might make a lot of money. It probably all sort of often evens out, you know, and I don't think it's like any of these sort of gig jobs or any tip based job too, which like waitressing and bartending is like as well. It's pretty out of your control, whether you make money or not. It kind of just depends on the night, depends on how many people swing by. Of course, the advertising and the service you provide has an effect and can and will increase your chances of making good money, but you're kind of hanging around waiting for it to come and there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it seems, well, you, you need, you need regulars. Yes. That, that girl in the hot girls wanted documentary, the one that was like the main character of one of the episodes. I remember she was like a machine. She talked about how she, she did it 40 hours a week. She was always advertising like her snack, which was pay. Also, she was selling like underwear to customers in Japan. She was shooting other kinds of like solo porn for magazines. And then at the beginning of that, she was like, you know, I, before I started doing this, I was living in Indiana, making $20,000 a year. And now I make seven times that. And I was thinking like, that's it. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of these, I, I feel like a lot of these women also are just used to just, you know, only you know getting money in small bursts and like not making rent and like couch surfing um and you know they really they appreciate the flexibility you know if you there's all there's like a huge spate of like from 2005 to 2014 there's like a spate of articles called confessions of a cam girl um and they i mean they all were like uh, I love the flexibility. I love that I could just sort of like relax. And, you know, at the time they're usually, I mean, there is a lot of people in like Brooklyn and whatever, but there's also a lot of, you know, a lot of the people writing these pieces, even if, you know, not representative of the whole population were people in like Portland or Olympia, you know, yeah. $400 <laughs> a month, you know, for a shitty room or, or, or less, um, which, you know, because a very specific demographic was the most vocal about camming, I feel like camming developed a very distinct aesthetic and flavor. And there's like music that, I, you know, and fashion that it was like there was like cam girl core. Um, and I think that made it even more appealing. I think, you know, that's I for a while romanticized it. And I think that's part of why, because I was like, all right, I have this really cool friend. Um, she, I mean, like it, she was just sort of like you know, the paragon sort of of like what cool meant at that time for someone who's kind of all like, she was like a witch, you know, she had like, <laughs> like perfect, like platinum blonde hair and like cool tattoos. And you know, she it, like, it, it was all, you know, she lived in like a shitty apartment, but it was like shitty in just the right way. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> purple lighting, you know, it, <laughs> um, and it made me think like, oh, like, it, you know, I almost didn't even think of it as what it was. I was like, oh, this is representative of like, like being kind of like a cool goth chick or something yeah. like there's just something kind of like interesting yes. about it and romantic and different and sort of like literary. That's kind of yeah. how I saw it too, that it was like, if you had, I mean, you know, at the time, I think I was reading like biographies. I don't remember who, but it, it kind of, a lot of this is it's true for, for camming and a lot of the stuff that popped up around that time is like, it had the glamor and the sort of romance of, 
an artist's life or, you know, being an artist's muse as a woman and like being in this part of this cool scene of something that could have transpired, you know, a hundred years before and been like, I think maybe I really romanticized the past a lot because I think I brought this up when we talked about Dime Square too, but yeah, a lot of these, you know, that sort of existence is kind of like, you know, I, I could see it in Greenwich Village in the twenties or something. Well, the thing is, you know, a lot of these people also, you know, did sort of intersect in like the most visible art scenes at the time. And like, it really did attract a lot of people who were like kind of bohemian, right? Like Alt-Lit, which was sort of proto-Dime Square. I mean, tons of those women were escorts or cam girls or both. Um, There was Marie Calloway famously who like, she, you know, what purpose did I serve in your life was her book. Um, On my my old show, After the Orgy, we did a whole episode on that. Um, You know, she, I mean, like that's, if we had mixed reviews at the time, but like, still like she came off as like this really cool kind of like artist chick. And, um, you know, she, she had the, just the right haircut and just the right style. And kind of like an big girl of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it, it, it became sort of, I think for a lot of people, at least for me, like fused in my mind with like being published and lit mags and, people who are just making art and you know being sort of like warholian or something yeah exactly it did have that feel to it but at the same time like for me when i was seriously considering doing it i was also thinking oh i see it that way but realistically it would be something i'd probably want to hide <laughs> and separate and compartmentalize so i didn't completely like i think even though it wasn't it didn't feel that taboo. I think it would actually, I don't know. I, I have an interesting question for you as a historian. Do you feel like OnlyFans and sort of the proliferation and the normatization maybe of what we can call sex work, but not quite, but that, that sort of work camming, you know um, yeah, we'll call it sex work has actually reduced the taboo about it and the stigma in the last, I don't know, how far can we go back on this 10, 15 years? Because I'm not sure it has. I feel in a way like it was less taboo than to, to be a part of something like God's Girls or Suicide Girls than it would be now. Um, yes and no. I mean, I think like, you know, I don't think you would lose your job over it. I mean, depending on what your job is, like if you work at like an ad agency or startup or something or oracle right like you're not gonna right it depends what the job is absolutely if you're like a teacher like a public school teacher yeah i mean i think i think the stigma is is in is one still there and two increasing like i yeah i can imagine a future if this is not already reality where like you know there's like all these women who had like only fan stints where they made maybe like 150 dollars period for like three months of work and that's just like out there and like mm-hmm. they can't undo it and it's just like sort of a scar on their record and right we had such a you know there was such a moment of being candid that like you you can't like it, it they just went too far i mean this is sort of the same problem this is sort of a problem of just like the internet in general like things change so quickly like in when exo jane was a big thing Right. That there was a whole moment of like millennial candor and yeah. being like too confessional. And it's like, well, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. And like, if you want to pivot to like conservative or something, well, like, I'm sorry, like, you know, sc- you know, try to scrub as you might, but like your weird poetry about like getting wet in a station wagon is still con- is still out there and it's going to come up and people are going to you know, bust your balls about it. <laughs> yeah. But th- maybe all they'll do is bust your balls about it. Cause I feel like a lot of people do make that pivot and they make it just fine. I like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the taboo and the stigma has increased a bit too, but I always wonder if maybe that's because I deal with like incels and a lot of people that have very strong opinions about that. And this whole sort of, what would you call them? Like, well, the contrarian kind of. Right. And the, evolutionary psychology people and all their theories about sexuality and also the backlash that your show after the orgy was about the backlash to sex positivity and candor and all of that 
maybe being aware of that makes it feel like the taboo is worse than it is. I don't know. It's hard to say because like also think about how much, I mean, the thing that like I was forgetting even saying this, like there's so many people who've put so much content online that it's almost like not right, scalable. Like too much of it to do anything with. Right. Like yeah. you, you almost can't shame people because it's just like, it has to be based on like what, you know, what's immediately available or something. Cause it's just, there's people who just are so online. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you can't audit that. To that point about the, the backlash to sex positivity. I think that for me, the one of the main arguments against, and, and I, I think that only fans being completely normalized for like young women, especially the teen girls is like horrible it's such a bad idea. I mean, teenage girls, a certain type of teenage girl will be really drawn to that and really, you know, get off on that attention and being sort of seen like that. And that's why girls are just always putting selfies of themselves online. Like that's what young girls just do. Um, And being objectified and valued in that way and that having such an impact on your self-worth is terrible. And that can definitely happen as like a young woman. I don't think it would be like lasting damage. I don't think it's scarring. I don't really agree with that argument. And I don't really agree with judging people's sexual morality in the way that a lot of conservatives do and a lot of incels do because it's it doesn't entirely make sense. And also the way that like Megan Murphy does <laughs> add her into this conversation, um, that there's this idea about like women's chastity that still holds up that, that there's no equivalent of for men. You know, I, I get the whole like evolutionary biology slash evolutionary psychology argument about that, that, you know, it's, it's natural for men to be whatever, to spread their seed. Like I, I get it. I agree with it, but I still think that it's having a moment now that I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's just reactionary. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? That like this. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like a cottage industry of critiquing it. I mean, yes. you know, if, and if you made, if you made it your beat critiquing only fans, you could have a nice career, right. And write a book, you know, it's just like, right. uh, but I think, and I think also that's just because like, whenever there's a market for something, like there needs to be like a mirror of it. Um, that's, that's sort of, I mean, that's sort of why like when people like complain about like the stiflingness of wokeness it's like well sure i agree but also like for there to be a woke market that automatically opens up the anti-woke market yes like what's what's, you know what we've really rooted out is the apolitical market (laughs) right unfortunately because that's the most interesting one i think or maybe that's yeah i don't know that might just be like nostalgia saying that, but really the discourse, the two side sort of binary discourse is so boring. Yeah. I, I, I'm totally with you on that, but I, I guess we did, we did end up sort of dancing into OnlyFans. Yeah. We danced into a lot of things that we'll probably get a lot more specific on because as you said, there's, there's so much there. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Great. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Baby, why do you all alone? And if it wasn't for the music, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. Last night a DJ saved my life. Last night a DJ saved my life from a broken heart. Last night.